everyone. Welcome to Sounding Off with Kim Munson, our podcast. Check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. And sign up for our weekly newsletter there. That way you get the first look at our op-eds and our podcasts as we roll them out. And uh, you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. That's spelled M-O-N-S-O-N. On the line with me is Dr. Jill Vecchio. She is a healthcare policy expert. She's a radiologist. She's one of the few people that read the complete um, uh, Affordable Care Act, Obamacare. And uh, we're going to be talking about what is happening now in America with COVID-19 vaccines. Dr. Jill Vecchio, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Kim. Let's start with, as we were preparing for this, you said you wanted to talk, uh, give a big picture on this regarding a global agenda and hopefully tie up some of the loose ends of things that are happening, connect them. Where do you want to start, Jill? I think we can start with kind of the origins of the coronavirus, and then let's work our way through what all has transpired, because it seems like something's happening every single day. There's something new happening, and new, and new, and new, and then we move into COVID, elections, more shutdowns, stimulus, all this stuff that just keeps getting thrown at us. And I think if we take a step back and look at the big picture of what I believe is transpiring because I think there's a it's a big play that's going on and I I don't know how many people have thought of it that way not enough for sure what do you mean though a big play what does that mean exactly um it's uh when well if we walk through it I think people will start to see that there's, there are a lot of coincidences going on with how things are being handled. COVID, and we've said this, you know, COVID came from a lab in China, came from a um, bio, high, high level, the highest level bioweapons lab. Now, whether it was accidentally released or purposely released, we don't know, or somebody does know, I'm sure, but uh, we don't know yet. But they have confirmed that it came from a lab. The Wuhan lab in China had nothing to do with bats, had nothing to do with the wet market. It spread across the world. And while it was spreading, massive, I mean, you know, people were dying. It is a real disease, and it was massively deadly at the beginning especially. Um, How has that changed? Seems, because we're not seeing it as uh, as deadly. It is deadly right. to some folks, right. but not like it was at the beginning. What happened? Right. Well, it's an RNA virus like we've talked about, and, I, and so it's highly susceptible to mutation. They also say there are two different strains, one that came in from Europe to the United States and one that came from China. Now, why there were two different strains that early on is interesting since supposedly it was people from China traveling to Italy, for instance, where a lot of Chinese-owned companies and so forth, were there two different strains released? Were there two different, did they, did they mutate that quickly that it became two different strains? But supposedly the one that came from Europe is more deadly than the one that came from China. So the China one came in through, let's say, Seattle, um, and then the European one came into, what, New York or New mm -hmm. Jersey. Mm -hmm. 
that and that may be why the Midwest is seeing more severe illness and death is because they have the European strain and Colorado isn't seeing all that much because we have the one that came from China. Okay. So th- that's that's what I've heard a lot of theories about that. Um, but we don't know that. Either way, we were told initially, don't wear masks. Well, I can understand that if you don't want to rush on PPE like there's a rush on toilet paper, right? Because you need to have mm-hmm. the PPE, the masks and gowns and stuff for the healthcare workers. Right. Then they said, um, but, the, but the way that they said it was, masks can do more harm than good. So they oh. lied to us. Why didn't oh. they just say, we need the PPE, they could have confiscated it from the stores, you know, they could have easily done that. Why didn't they just do that instead of lying to us? Then they and, say, and to that now, point, oh, it's, it's, the, it's the point, Jill, is if you lie to me on the small things, what makes me think that you're not lying to me on the big things? Oh, absolutely. So the, this whole thing has been, in my opinion, the way this has been handled, it has nothing to do with science. It has nothing to do with medicine. None of this has been handled in a scientific or uh, medical, medically efficacious fashion, not at all. And on that point, so Jill... To, to me, it's, it's, all, it's all about manipulation. It's just been a series of lie, lie, lie. Well, and that's a really important, uh, a very important point. Recently, I had Sonia Rigg on the show, or Sonia Riggs on the show with the Colorado Restaurant Association. Of course, they're frantically trying to work with the governor here in Colorado to get our, our restaurants and our bars and taverns and wineries open back up. And she said that, that the governor's office and these bureaucrats are not basing these decisions on data. They're basing it on modeling. We are now 10 months into this. We have data, but they will not right. base their decisions on that. The question is why? Well, and the, and the question is, why don't they have decent data? I don't know how much data they've got because it's been tainted. The data has been tainted from the very beginning because of how they chose to define a COVID hospitalization or a COVID death or a COVID positive person. Initially, when, before we had the tests, or in the very early stages of having tests when we didn't have enough, they weren't testing everyone for COVID. But if somebody came in with COVID-like symptoms, and there's a vast array of symptoms that COVID can present with, the only thing that seems to be specific is loss of taste and smell, and that's not a common symptom. So we were, they, they immediately were making the diagnosis based on very non-specific symptoms and let's face it they got the providers and the medical providers and the hospitals to play along with their whatever game they were playing they got them to play along by paying them mm. extra money for every covid patient so the mm. hospitals and providers were highly motivated to participate in this what i think is a sham and how it was handled now, it's not it's not like i said this is a real disease this is a real illness it's a bad bug for a lot of people. So I'm not downplaying that part of it. How it's been handled has been an absolute scientific tragedy. They, they did not keep accurate. Their, their reporting is all over the place. So there's no way to know, it, retrospectively, retrospectively or even forensically, 
to go back and say, okay, let's clean up these numbers so we have some real data so we can make some real science-based decisions. And real leaders would do that. it was from the very beginning. Real leaders would do that. People that really wanted to get to solutions would do that, Jill. Exactly. And why hasn't it been done? We've had plenty of time, like you said. We've had plenty of time Mm -hmm. to figure this out. And now we have a, a bunch of different tests, and I think that's great. You know, the Trump, I thought, did an amazing job of getting stuff out there, getting tests, distributing them, getting the manufacturing. I mean, it's amazing what Trump was able to accomplish in such a short period of time. And he talked to the people every single day. He took abuse from reporters. He stood up there with a team and gave a report every single day. Who has ever done that? Never. Never. So to me, this president has handled this, like, spectacularly. But it's the people behind the scenes. It's the people that he had to depend on on very short notice who supposedly had these great reputations. And what we're finding out is who are they really, who are they really working on behalf of? <laughs> That's not good English, but on whose behalf are they really working? Are well, and really Fauci, we Americans, we, are they really in cahoots with the WHO and their buddies at the China lab? Because Fauci and CDC had connections in the mm-hmm. Wuhan lab in China. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's kind of like who's really working for whom? And that's really the question. Who benefits? Why are they doing that? And so few people, I shouldn't say so few people, some people are not asking those questions, but I think more and more people are asking them. But you've been asking those kinds of questions Probably your whole life. I imagine that that was probably something that you said to your your mother. She's like, oh, Jill, another question? Really? <laughs> it's like, why? Why? <laughs> exactly. you know, let's, let's keep going with this. So hydroxychloroquine, Trump, and, and they say, well, no, the reason they hated it was because Trump brought it up. That's certainly a possibility for a great number of people. At the same time, if you want to play the follow-the-money game, hydroxychloroquine is an inexpensive drug that was already on the market. And if the CDC, the CDC does make money, and individuals at the CDC do make money on new pharmaceuticals because they have patents and they can have individual participation in patents that relate to testing with uh, diseases, disease tests, uh, that are developed at the CDC, and they work closely with the pharmaceutical companies. So if the CDC makes a recommendation for something, a new pharmaceutical, then they get a piece of the pie. And politicians are going to get lots of money and donations from ph- pharmaceutical industry. We know Which, that that's a Yeah, they're one of the largest. Relationship. Yeah, they are one of the largest lobby groups in America. Exactly. So who would want... Why would they want, and why would the CDC, therefore, say, yeah, hydroxychloroquine is great? There were plenty of studies coming out of France and Europe and even Canada, I believe. And then, then wow, uh, an article comes out in The Lancet, which is the most uh, well-respected medical journal in Britain, saying hydroxychloroquine didn't work and it's terrible and it's harmful. That's, that got a lot of press. Their retraction not long afterward, saying that that wasn't a good study and their results were not accurate, didn't get as much press. That's what's, that's what's frightening about this. Now, who decided that this was 
a good study that uh, a report that needed to be put out without proper peer review and review in general. And they decided to put it out anyway. Why? And how much more misinformation are we getting then is the next question, right? How much other misinformation are we getting about mm-hmm. how many other things? Okay. But this especially seems to be so politicized, manipulated, and, and the question is why? Why is this being so manipulated? Okay, so we can keep going. But so the WHO at first says, oh, no, this isn't important. No, it's not going to transmit person to person. And then they change their story constantly in order to, and they seem to be constantly aligned with the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP, and the government of China more than they were with the people and the patients of the world. The WHO was playing a political game. Trump pulls out of the WHO. Bill Gates is the largest donor and as a private foundation more than any other country since we pulled out. The Bill Gates Foundation is the number one donor by far to the WHO. Just they develop vaccines that are, you know, go world, worldwide. I mean, it's kind of it, – it's such an inbred group of elites. Jill, on the note of Bill Gates and vaccines, uh, I, I, I appreciate vaccines, and, and I think that they've done some good things. However, I'm concerned about the forced vaccination that I see could be coming down the pike with all of the things that you're describing. But as I have mentioned that I'm not going to be first in line uh, for the COVID vaccine, and as you said, I probably won't be the last one in line either. I probably won't be in line for that. And I've had um, conservatives push back on that, and they say, Bill Gates has done a lot of good things. Uh, and how creative he was with Microsoft. And, and yes, that is true. And then the fact that he's vaccinating children in Africa seems like a good thing. But a friend of mine said, wait a minute, instead of vaccinating kids in Africa, maybe it might be more advantageous if he was, would t- contribute to clean water, uh, affordable, efficient, reliable energy, instead of giving in vaccination and sending those kids back into poverty how about things that could actually improve their lives? I thought that was an interesting perspective. It is. It's kind of like that teach a man to fish, right? Mm-hmm. So give him a fish and he eats for a day, although that's not a direct analogy, obviously, to the vaccines. But at the same time, let's do something to improve their economic condition. And, yeah, clean water is a huge thing in Africa. I mean, really huge. Rarely when we were there could we drink anything out of the tap. I mean, almost never. Not even in not even in Johannesburg. So don't drink out of the tap. Wow. Yeah, it was it was interesting. But some of these countries are run by corrupt governments. Right. So you can't really get economic uh improvement without the approval of a corrupt government that is just as happy to have their own 35 Rolls Royces for their family members and have everyone that lives in their country in dire poverty and unemployment. That's, that's well, the inherent problem there. As Maggie Thatcher said, you can't have political freedom without economic freedom. You can't have economic freedom without political freedom. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, the COVID has been... And it's odd, the timing of the COVID being that it's – it probably started last fall. That's what they think. It probably really did start last fall. 
and uh, maybe as early as September or October. We don't know. Then 2020, an election year, a big election year for and, and you and I talked a long time ago, I think, on a, on a podcast about how or maybe it's just on a show about how Trump and his administration and the way he's handled his administration, wanting to give power back to the people, wanting to give power back to the states rather than have it so centralized at the federal government and the, you know, what we call the deep state, all of the bureaucrats that can make so many rules and regulations with the force of law, essentially passing legislation without ever being elected, without ever having their jobs threatened, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that we can go to jail because of something that they decide. Yeah. Trump was interfering with all of those plans, all of their um, elite power grab kind of uh, just politicians, corrupt politicians making millions of dollars while they're in office for 47 years, like Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. Trump was there disrupting all of their plans and whatever, and, and the globalist plan, the, the global elite, the globalism, the great reset, whatever you want to call it, Agenda 21, it's all the same, it's all the same routine. It's all the same They just plan. put a different name a on it. Yeah. yeah, and it's not a conspiracy. But people, they want to call it a conspiracy, I guess, but it's right there. The U.N., you can get, look up Agenda 21 on the U.N. website. You just type in Agenda 21, U.N., and it, it shows up, all of Agenda 21, all of their sustainable development, how they're going to change the way the governance of the world I mean, it's bizarre. It's like it's like James Bond and Dr. Evil kind of stuff when you start to really look at it. But it's the same thing. And then there was some other name for it, something 2021 or 2025, and now it's the Great Reset. They're all just iterations of the same thing. The Great Reset came from the World Economic Forum, put forward by Prince Charles, for crying out loud. I know. I, wa- I watched. And some Klaus Schwab or something. I can't remember if he's Swedish or something. I, I watched yeah. that speech, and here these are. These elites are flying around on airplanes. They live in in palaces, or you look at uh, um, Al Gore, or excuse me, John Kerry, who's going to be in charge of what climate. I was need to look that up. But he has multiple houses, airplanes, boats, but yet they want this great reset. What it does is for everyday people, they want to put people into little cubicle apartments and ride up and down uh, on trains and bicycles instead of the freedom of property rights and freedom of mobility, the freedom to own your own home. Their great reset is doesn't reset their lives, but it'll reset everybody else's lives. Right. And they also don't like farmers. Isn't that interesting? How do you plan to eat? Because uh, Joe Biden... His plan, my brother was telling me about this, uh, his plan is to change inheritance law so that when you inherit your father's farm, you are taxed so heavily that you're going to have to sell half of it to pay the taxes on it. And there's some retroactive thing that there, he was going to do, but I can't, I can't think of that, what that wow. was. But farmers need to know that there is some significant uh, – taxing that is could put a lot of farmers out of business when you look at that when you look at how covid was handled where it's mostly small businesses that are the ones that are that are getting hit the hardest what do they say in new york one-third of the restaurants will never reopen yeah and all those small businesses where they're using such a heavy hand 
they're they're fining them fifty thousand dollars. They want to arrest them. It's it's nuts. They're just being bullies to small businessmen. But the big places, Home Depot, grocery stores, big boxes, Walmart, all of those can be open because they're essential, of course, and and the, and the pot thing. So again, it's it's the picking winners and losers. But but and you and you've said this. I think like you the, you were the first one that really taught me this, Jill, and that is that big government and big business like each other. Oh yes, yeah. Don't let the Democrats fool you. I think we're starting to see it now. But who who was the small businessman's best friend? Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Who's the big business's best friend? Big pharma, big insurance, the Democrats, and corrupt and and corrupt politicians. Actually, both of them because they get so much money in campaign contributions from these big guys because they can afford to pay it. When they write regulations, it's the big companies that benefit because they can afford to comply with rules and regulations. And half the legislation that's written is written in cooperation with right cooperation with big companies the big guys it does seem as though with the handling of covid and their plans for sustainable development and uh joe biden's wealth tax and inheritance tax stuff it is the little guy it's the family businesses that are going to suffer and the ones that will be left are the big ones oh and let's see too big to fail. We remember that, oh, right? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Why were all of these banks allowed to go into the insurance industry and all this other stuff? I mean, it just seems as though our forefathers would not have wanted uh, this much of a conglomeration of power in such a small number of elite hands. They, they understood it. And they knew that at some point in time, if we didn't stay true to the Constitution, if we didn't stay true to the vision of the Declaration, that we would be at the spot that we are in right now, Jill. Exactly. So we go back to the timeline. So now we are 2020, and it's an election year. Now, whether or not the COVID virus was released accidentally or intentionally, very quickly it became politicized very quickly and now all of a sudden we've got we have to have all of this stimulus money we have to have these dramatic lockdowns we have to have oh now we have to have mail-in ballots for voting Um, now we're going to have riots in the streets and we're going to maximize the hate generated by any unfortunate interaction between a police officer and a black person. So we are going to maximize the effect that that will have. We're going to perpetuate the lockdowns and the fear with rioting, burning, just plain bullying and intimidation of the average person. It's terrible. It's terrible. Defund the police. So the people are left with no sense of protection because the police themselves are being threatened and harassed and killed. I mean, this has just been absolutely bizarre. Okay, that was, COVID was weird, lockdowns were weird, now it's getting really weird. All of this just to perpetuate fear, trauma, to affect the election so that they can control the election, my opinion. 
but it all seems to fit. When I look at something, it's kind of like, okay, is some part of this just, you know, cognitive dissonance? Is some part of this just kind of my brain is saying, this doesn't, just doesn't fit. To think that all of these things were completely unrelated to me doesn't fit. Right. To think that somehow these are all related, and I'm not, you know, you know, if it's true, it's not a conspiracy, right? Right. You can, well, a, a conspiracy, and I don't agree with that, actually. Technically, because this conspiracy could easily be true. It just means that people are working together mm-hmm. <laughs> to, make, to make some particular outcome. But it just seems a little too coincidental that all of these things happen. Then we get mail-in ballots. Then we get massive voter fraud. And if you, if people don't believe it, then watch some of the testimony that was done in these state houses. Now, some of it's long. I watched about eight hours of it, but it's impressive. What people saw, what was being done, what they've got on video, now what they're finding out about the Dominion voting systems, it's, it's amazing. Again, it can't all be coincidence. They just, the Democrats seem to just fire a shotgun blast across all of the different, here are all the possible ways you can commit voter fraud. And I think they didn't leave any one of them unused. (laughs) They just did all of it. And so we have to do all of it to try and find out what what happened. We're going to find all these different ways. But we're on such a we're on such a timeline. But I think as the American people, we need to say, wait a minute. We know that we have this timeline here. But if, in fact, there is all this fraud out there, we need to get to the bottom of it, and uh, we may need to delay what's going on because all of this fraud, is it, it's really not about Biden or Trump. This is about our country, and we, right. we need to get to the bottom of it. And you know what? Uh, I, think, I think the bottom line is what I'm hearing is there really isn't a timeline. I mean, the, certainly our forefathers predicted that there could be voter fraud, but to the level and at the at the level that this is, this is again. We keep saying unprecedented. Twenty twenty has been just the, the year of unprecedented. But the idea that, like you said, this is about our country. Period. If we cannot have fair and transparent and accurate elections, then we are no longer America. That's what made us special to begin with, was the idea that we had a peaceful, we're the first country to propose a peaceful transition of power every four years and not still have a king or a queen over, you know, as a, as a constant. And the reason so, is we can do that, though, Jill, as you mentioned it right. in the sentence before, is that because, is because we have fair and transparent elections. And that is why we have peaceful transfer of power. Producer Steve said something to me just recently. He said, how is it that we had 73 million people that voted for Donald Trump and not one of them uh, has been riding in the streets or tearing things up, but uh, acting as responsible citizens? I think that's a really important point. Yes, absolutely agree. And it's kind of like, who are the, who are the petulant children in this yes. equation? And petulant children at best, and then, and then it turns into a Lord of the Flies. 
<laughs> Otherwise, wasn't that the movie where the little boys are stranded on the island? I never saw and that they, movie. It's, it's it's wild, but it, it was it's it's a lesson in human nature. These young boys get stranded on an island. I'm pretty sure it's Lord of the Flies. Um, and they try to make they decide they have to make some kind of a government, but then it, it deteriorates into just horrible, horrible violence and. And that, that's what it reminds me of <laughs> the the anarchist, the Antifa anarchy movement, BLM. It's Lord of the Flies. I mean, it's just unless you put your thumb down and law and order right away, there is no telling what to what level they can descend. It is and a scary that, thought, I mean, we, and we saw that. Yes, it is a scary thought. Uh, so, in other words, I think that all of these things that are happening and the idea that the consistent, the rolling lockdowns and, oh, we've got all these testing, a lot of their lockdowns, like you said at the beginning of the program, a lot of their lockdowns and their decisions about, I'm going to put that in air quotes, decisions made about COVID are not based on science or medicine at all. It's based on politics and models that our tax dollars pay for so that they can say, rather than there is a hosp- uh, an increased rate of death in hospitals, what how they report it is there's an expected there will there will be an expected increase, or we expect an increase in hospitalizations and death. But it's it hasn't totally it hasn't thing. and it hasn't but that's played how out. They justify their lockdowns. Pardon? It hasn't played out. A couple of things. If you go to my website, Dahlia Weinstein, who is uh, formerly uh, wrote for the Rocky Mountain News, has done an excellent op-ed regarding the convention center, hospital beds, how much it's cost, nothing's been used, and take a look at that. And then Jill, Patty had found a uh, piece just recently in the headlines that up in Grand County, the coroner was uh, actually questioning the Colorado Health Department because the health department was noting the cause of death for two uh, people that died from gunshot wounds as COVID deaths. Now, again, we're, we're talking about not getting the truth on these little things. Why would we think that they are telling us the truth on the big things? Exactly. Exactly. It's, if you can, and let's, let's step back a little bit too, because we kind of started to talk about the censorship and what you are and aren't allowed to say. So early on, for the first time, certainly that I know of, since they said you couldn't have swear words on, you know, tw- television, but that was the extent of censorship and radio. You know, the, the language or sexual content or something, you know, mm-hmm. that's the extent of censorship that we've had. Now, starting this year, because of COVID, not because of COVID, not because of COVID, they were able to do it using COVID as an excuse. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. They, were, they started to censor people who put any message out there saying hydroxychloroquine works. Anything, and then they decided anything that disagrees with the WHO official message about COVID was going to be censored. Wow. Why? Why? They even censored the president. They've censored the president's press secretary. They've censored congressmen and senators this is crazy and it's just accelerated beyond then it turned into if you said anything bad about black lives matter 
or that tried to tell the truth about how some of these killings actually happened, then they censored you. Then, then we had election with the ele- Then we had the election fraud censor. You can't find information on the real evidence of election fraud on almost any search site. DuckDuckGo is even difficult just because they're censoring everything. It's not even getting out there. YouTube censoring. And DuckDuckGo, uh, let's just go back to that quickly. DuckDuckGo is a, a search engine that you can use instead of Google now, I didn't think they censored. Are you saying that they're no, having... No, they're, they're not censoring, but it, I, for what, however they do their search engine, because let's say the search engines tend to put whatever is the most popular or most viewed um, yeah. result first, right? Okay. So if it's not being viewed because it's being censored, then it's not going to show up on DuckDuckGo for a couple of pages. That's, I guess that's what I'm trying to okay, say. Okay, got it. Okay, thanks for the clarification. And I, I think that's how those search engines work. Okay. To my knowledge, it is. Um, but, you know, they may, be, they may be changing it. But unless you already have, unless you have, it's kind of like the catch-22. Unless you already have a bunch of views, you're not going to get more views because you're not going to show up on the right. search engine on the first couple pages. And if everybody else is censoring them, then they're not going to get the views to get up there at first. Okay. Now, one other thing that... that you and I talked about just before we got on the call today. Um, I th- when the first stimulus came through, we're kind of like, okay, that's a big cha-ching because part of why we elected Trump was because we were so anxious about the national debt. Right. The And the idea with Obama had all of this stimulus money coming out and quantitative easing, which just means printing money mm-hmm. out of nowhere. Then when the second stimulus came by, I mean, my, I wanted to throw up. Right. I'm looking at this going, holy smokes, are you kidding? I think a lot of people were very upset about that additional money. And now we're just kind of numb to it. More stimulus, more stimulus, more stimulus. When you look at, and, and this isn't going to go away, and let's face it, if the Democrats get into power, then we're going to see massive stimulus that's going to go to pay off all of these Democrat-run cities and states that have run up such deficits due to poor money management and welfare systems. And what they're going to do is they're going to tax people that have run their households well, that have saved and have invested, and it's it's a way of theft. It's a way of looting. But instead of right. with a weapon, what they do with it is tax policy, uh, fees, regulations. It's much more subtle, but it accomplishes the same thing. Well, let's face it. The, the national debt is never meant to be repaid. It's all about the interest on the debt. That's all it is. Central bank makes their money off of the interest on debt. So they don't care if you ever pay back the debt. In fact, it's better for them if you don't, because that means they keep getting their interest payments. So everybody has to understand that that is the purpose of the central bank. They're private. They're not government. These guys make their money off of interest. So they love debt. It is all Central bank is all about debt and creating as much debt as possible so they can make money off the interest. The debt is never meant to be repaid, period. 
what they're doing with printing money in order to supply more fake dollars into the economy to create more debt so they can make more money on interest, when they print money, they devalue the dollar. More dollars in circulation means our dollars are worth less. Which means your dollars, that that means the money in your pocket is worth less. Exactly. And and almost immediately. Mm -hmm. So the idea that we were worried about Obama's massive increase in national debt, look at what's going to happen with this. And if the Democrats are in there and they bail out all of these poorly run states and put the cities back together that were allowed to be burned and businesses allowed to be destroyed, can you imagine what the devaluation of our dollar will be because of the amount of money that they're just going to print out of thin air? So it's going to be two things. That's all because of COVID. Yeah. Jill, it's two things. It's devaluing the dollar, which hurts everybody, uh, but it's subtle. People don't always realize it, but devaluing that. And then you mentioned changing, for example, the inheritance laws. He wants to change the capital gains laws. He wants to change the real estate 1031 exchanges. He um, he said, oh, everyday people aren't going to be taxed more. He wants to repeal the Trump tax cuts. Everyday people had $6,000 on average more in their pocket. How are they going to pay for it? Devaluing the dollar and taking more of our stuff. Exactly. But they don't want people to know that how the central bank really works. They don't want people to know. They want people to think that the central bank is there to try and make their economic future reliable and stable. And that's not at all what it's about. Mm. That's what they're told is the purpose of the central bank, but it's not at all. The purpose of the central bank is to (laughs) maintain debt throughout the world. And it's never meant to be paid off. Um, Yeah, this is all just it just seems like we're COVID just accelerated a an agenda that was had been in place for a hundred years, right? I mean, or more since FDR, right? So they've had their plan. Woodrow Wilson or kind of the uh, Woodrow Wilson, right? Mm-hmm. So through the, for the for the increasing socialization of the United States, then through the UN, League of Nations, all this stuff, and then moving into the New World Order and Central Bank in Europe, Central Bank here, this mob of elitists that just seems to be using all the people for their own purposes. It's just very strange. And Donald uh, Trump and it's, came it's in. It's frightening, and it's just gone at such an accelerated rate with COVID. And Donald Trump came in and disrupted this. And a friend of mine said, he has, she, she said, whether or not you like Donald Trump or not, he has come in and brought clarity to the issues. We talk about it all the time, all the stuff percolating underneath the surface. The mask is off. The veil is off. Take a look at big pharma, big business, big tech, big education. Uh, You can just go across the board. Oh, fraud in the election. Things Mm -hmm. that everyday people didn't understand he, he's brought it to the forefront and he disrupted it. And that is why that they did not want him to be reelected is because uh, if he gets four more years, Jill, we're going to get this thing cleaned up. Exactly. Yeah. And what he has created 
I think that's the best thing of all for our country is he has, they call it the Great Awakening. He has waken up a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And, whether, and it's because of his outrageous tweets that people started looking at him. If his tweets had been just, you know, giving people information and been all polite and everything, he, nobody would have paid attention. Good point. They wouldn't have paid attention. It had to be outrageous in order for the kids who were so busy watching the Kardashians that they even turned their heads and started paying attention. Good point. Right? Yeah, good point. So I don't want to ever hear somebody, I wish he wouldn't tweet. You know, he just needs to be nicer. It's like baloney. <laughs> he needs to get the attention of the people. Yeah. You can be as outrageous as you want, and but, but that's what's gotten people's attention. There are more people politically aware now by mm-hmm. probably by tens of millions than that were awake during Obama. I was with some people the other night, and they said that Donald Trump has given America an amazing civics lesson. A lot of people yes. did not understand how elections worked. They didn't understand the Electoral College. They didn't understand a whole bunch of things that that are part of our civic structure. And because of Donald Trump, it has been one heck of a civics lesson. Yeah, I mean, people may even understand the Electoral College. I mean, like that's the hardest thing to really understand is the inner workings of the Electoral College, and it's still confusing to me. But I remember when you and Molly and I went through the Constitution, we kind of went, oh, God, now I have to talk about the Electoral College. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we pawned that off on Molly. I think but, we did. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's very complicated, plus it's involved in, I think there are like five different constitutional amendments involving the Electoral College or something. But, you know, yeah, and it's a dry, uninteresting topic. Well, it was dry and uninteresting. Now it's, it's going to become it's riveting. very interesting. It is riveting. Like, absolutely amazing. And, and people want to understand it. They want to know about it. To me, that is the best gift this president has given us, mm-hmm. is the great awakening us up. Wow. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Okay, Jill, we had talked about uh, thing, different things that we wanted to cover. These, these uh, conversations are just so rich. Did we pretty well get through everything? I, I know you wanted to button this up um, and connect the dots. What would, what, how would you do that for people? I, I think that the way I – I think what we've learned through this COVID mess and the rioting – is that the elite and a certain group of politicians don't care at all about us as people. Mm-hmm. They don't care. They don't care about But they said they cared. Us. Exactly. What we have learned through this COVID, and I've, I've heard several people say it, the great awakening is that we're start we are starting to wake up and we can identify ourselves things that don't make sense and start to put these things together put it in a big picture why is this being done why is this being done why is this being done is this right is this right question everything mm-hmm. they the elites have proven number 1 that they don't like us they don't care about us at all number 2 they aren't afraid to do anything. They have been so brash in your face 
at your expense, unapologetic, lie to your face, that to me should be a major wake-up call that we have to change every person that's in power that cannot prove that they are not in this group of elites. And how do we do that? Everyday working, hardworking American, how do we do that? Well, theoretically through primaries and voting, since the first thing we have to do, I think before we can go any further at all, we've got to get to the bottom of the election fraud. Yes. If they can get away with this, this year, this election, there will never be another fair election in our country, ever. One of the things that we need to start to do, I know that many of us, we always, oh, write our legislator, write our congressman, write our senator. (laughs) Good luck with that. But what we really need to do is we need to start to show up at city council meetings, at county commissioner meetings. We need to be emailing these people because these are the people that have put in place the bureaucrats that are making these decisions at all these different health departments. And then we need to email and contact every county clerk and recorder and demand that our elections are are fair and transparent, Uh, have them prove that Dominion uh, did not do any funny stuff here in in Colorado. So it's on the local level. Your county commissioners, of course, the secretary of state's good, but your county commissioners, your city council people, uh, I think we should uh, be... um, reaching out to the head of these health departments and your, your county clerk. Those are people that you should be contacting right now. Yes. Make yourself heard. Be loud. <laughs> it's, it's time for us to stand up and run for office. Run, run for, for office, office, for sure. And uh, Jill Vecchio, uh, anything else you want to have on this podcast? There is so much information here. I, I've I think act- there's plenty. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's plenty. But, okay, so, but the, the number one message, in my opinion, is we have to address this election fraud mm-hmm. or we have no country. You're right. And we have no, yeah, we have nothing if we don't have good elections. Um, so we have, and, and don't give up, folks. Do not give up on President Trump and what he's doing. Don't give up on it. Uh, so uh, Winston Churchill of you, Dr. Jill Vecchio. <laughs> <laughs> never, never, never give up. surrender. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Uh, these podcasts are really rich. Jill, I appreciate the conversation immensely. Thanks so much for having me, Kim. Take care. And to each of you uh, today, be grateful. Read great books. Think good thoughts. Listen to beautiful music. Communicate and listen well. Live honestly and authentically. Strive for high ideals. And like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you and God bless America.